0: Good morning. How's everybody? Well, it's always an honor. So a lot of people looked at us really weird when we said, like, "Hey, how many kids you have? Oh, you're expecting? Oh, we have a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and and a a week-old." And they're like, "I didn't realize that like they were." They were trying to like prepare you for just, just utter insanity, but what they didn't realize and what we didn't realize, it has nothing to do with the, the one-week-old, uh, it has everything to do with the one-year-old. So you may hear her, she's going through a little bit of anxiety right now. Um, she's a daddy's girl, so if she runs up here, we'll act accordingly. Um, but I do want to, uh, uh, from the bottom of my heart and from Joe's heart, thank you for all the wishes. Uh, yes, Levi graced our earth, we were blessed with his birth on November uh, 17th. Um, so two weeks ago, uh, we had uh, our third child. The, the prayers and the love and the food and the visits and the hugs have poured in from this church family. I'm very thankful uh, just to be a part of this community that, that loves on us so well. Uh, the, uh, the father in me is, is just elated. The guy who has to plan for all the kids that we keep popping out is just a little more anxious. Uh, we have like 22 kids down there right now, and that's that's a beautiful blessing. And that's what I tell myself. Every time we make a meeting or a plan for kids, but we have been so blessed with kids, and we're really uh, thankful for Levi. A special thanks to Jamin. Jamin stepped up in a big way in the last month uh, of kind of taking the reins of Trinity Church. We're a very uh, young church plant. We're 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 still growing. We're still we're still evolving, and to see what kind of what kind of God, church God wants us to be, and how uh, we're going to be the hands and feet. And it, it's a lot for a, a pastor of a church this size to step back in a normal circumstance, but at Trinity Church, we were blessed to have um, really a co-pastoring where Jamin stepped up, and we we didn't miss a beat. He's also our interior decorator, and he he got us ready for Christmas, So I'm really thankful for him. So if you see Jamin, give him a hug, and uh, just be thankful that he stewards us so well. So um, seasonally, uh, Thanksgiving is officially over. I I pray that Thanksgiving found you well Um, because of how Thanksgiving fell and how late it is. We have quickly ushered from Thanksgiving and into Christmas, we're already in December, um, and, and we're going to start our Christmas series and we're going to do a point of view uh, study. So we're going to look at, at, the, at the story of, of the birth of our Messiah, the story of the birth of our Savior through the lens uh, of, of people who, who experienced it firsthand uh, and, and, and people who, who professed it to happen firsthand. So this first week we're going to look at a point of view through the prophecies of the messianic birth, of the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And then next week it's going to be through the point of view of Joseph. And after that, going to be the point of view of Mary. And we're going to end our series with the point of view of Christ, of, of what it is, um, to understand that story. And, and we, we, we here uh, at Trinity Church... In the past, we've done a lot of different kind of Advent studies, and, and but they're all done uh, differently but with a lot of intentionality. And our goal for this year is just to immerse ourselves with the Christmas story and just to wrap our, our mind around um, every aspect that we can corporately uh, of that scene of, of why we were promised a Messiah, why we were promised a Savior, what it must have been like to be the father of that Messiah, the faith it took for Joseph to continually follow the will of God, even if it didn't culturally make sense. Or if it didn't make sense to what he was seeing, or if it defied biology, or if it defied his plan for his life, or what he wanted to do um, as as a child of God, and then we're going to look at the point of view through Mary and understand like what the faith and what the overwhelming anxiety and pressure and weight it must have been to say, "I'm going to birth the Savior of humanity. I'm going to birth the promised." Messiah and then we're going to close out with Christ and all of that is to give us a beautiful depiction of just that story reigning over us. We want us to just dive into the, mar- the marrow of, of the Christmas story of, of the birth of Christ and what that really means. The, the fact that uh, because uh, we were promised the Messiah and that Messiah was born uh, that Messiah uh, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and, and died for our sins Of what all those promises mean for us on a daily basis. And at Trinity Church we believe if we understand that story we will live that story and that if we understand that story we will let that story be the guide of our life that that it's impossible to walk through Christmas without looking to Easter and it's impossible to look at Easter without walking through Christmas and the whole story the redemptive story of Jesus Christ on the cross is going to make up who we are at Trinity Church so that's our goal in the next coming week our our goal is just to walk through this intentionally with some focus to kind of dwell in the already not yet theology of Christmas that, that we look back to see what Christ has done and it gives us hope to see what Christ will do. Today I want to really answer two questions. The first question I want to answer today is how do we step into this space of this season well? How do we biblically live out our lives in this season, Christmas in 2019 Dallas, Texas. And the second question I want to do is how do we wait well? How do we wait with this anticipation, this eager longing for our Messiah to return? When we talk about the already not yet, it's a very complicated theology because we live in the joy of knowing what Christ has already done on the cross for our sins, but we also long and yearn with hope for what he will do again when he comes again on his second advent, when he comes again and makes all things new, when tears are wiped away and we live in eternity worshiping Jesus Christ. So, understanding that we're in this time of, of just anxiety and wait, this angst, this this eager anticipation. How, as as believers, how as the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, how do we do that well? But first, today we're going to look through the messianic prophecy in Isaiah. If you want to turn to Isaiah chapter nine, I'm going to kind of build out Isaiah uh, chapter eight, nine, and ten. But we're going to, we're going to hunker down in Isaiah nine verses 6 and 7. Uh, the, the, there's a Bible next to you. If you don't have one, that one's yours. It's also going to be on the screen here. Um, and we're going we're gonna to unpack it together. Uh, if you would stand in just reverence of God's holy word, uh, I'm going to read out loud verses 6 and 7, and then we will we'll dive in and, and camp out. Verse 6 in chapter 9, Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <coughs> of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over <coughs> his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray over us, and we're just going to dive into God's holy word. God, thank you for today. Thank you for just the time we have corporately to, to, to pour into your word. God, I pray that for the next few minutes we just focus on, on, on your promises, on, on your prophecies, on the fulfillment that has already happened, so we can have hope and trust and faith, in with the, the, prof- the prophecies yet to be fulfilled. God, I pray all things in your name. Amen. All right, so I know uh, we're, a young, we're a young church. Uh, And really, we're a transplant church, which you realize, uh, uh, I didn't realize that when I planted a church in Dallas, that no one's actually from Dallas. So, show of hands, whos actually from the city or county. I'll take a county of Dallas. All right. Two plus me, that's three. That's awesome. Um, So, what that really means is every time you plan something for the holidays, you have to realize that half of your people will actually go see their other people. And that's that's okay. Okay. but I'm still going to need you to amp it up. Like it, I'm going to need you to step it up. I'm going to need you to do some feedback. It's been a while since I've uh, been up here. A little rusty. Jamin's done a great job in, uh, in, in my stead. Um, he, he actually is a significantly funnier person and much better hair. Uh, but we also bring, we bring different things. So I, I yell at you passionately and cry, and he makes really good jokes. And I, numerous times Joe has told me, uh, man, he just tells stories so great. You could do something like that. And you're like, well, if I could tell stories as good as he would, I would. I'm not like holding back my ability here and saying, I don't want to tell a great story because then I'll take away from what Jamin does. Uh, he, he does, what, no, I really am. We're blessed to have, and I'm really excited to see he's going to actually close out our series on December 22nd and really excited to see what God's going to do with that. So I say all that to say I want to be in a safe place. I want you to bring it. I want you to bring the energy you have to make up for the other half of our church that's uh, back at its home residence loving on their family for a much-needed family weekend. Um, but uh, And I also want to be in a safe place that we're reading from Isaiah, and I have to be honest with you, I, I lay myself pretty bare up here. I don't I don't pull punches. I don't put on a facade of, of, of strength or security out of just uh, uh, for, for pomp or circumstance. Isaiah is one of those books in the Bible that intimidates me. It, it, it's hard for me uh, to wrap my mind around the entirety of, of Isaiah. There's things are really, really... Uh, connect to and pour into isaiah isaiah 43 is one of the one of the beautiful uh like refuge scriptures for me but there's also a lot of isaiah that i'm like are we talking about present tense past tense like i love that isaiah talks in present tense about futuristic things he's prophesying because he understands that if god told him to do it it had happened it is present tense it is happening we serve a god that is not uh in 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 a, a future teller of the history he's there right now he is omnipresent. He isn't everywhere at the same time, and Isaiah speaks that way, uh, but I want you to understand that as we walk through Isaiah, it is something that I've had to spend a lot of time wrapping my brain around just because I'm not an academic. That may shock some of you. Uh, I, I'm someone who just passionately loves teaching, but I love how Isaiah uh, beautifully depicts um, uh, coming of a savior the need for a savior the coming of a savior the need for a savior because in chapter eight he's saying hey assyria is surrounding you because you won't stop walking in rebellion assyria isn't coming and, and, and the chaldeans are coming and assyria is coming and all these people are going to lay waste to you because of what you've done the sin you you've walked in the brokenness in which you live your life and guess what a Savior's coming because you need him and then in chapter 10 and 11, he said, hey, Babylon's going to come and do so many worse things than Assyria and the Chaldeans. And all these things are divine and, and promised by God. As much as he is pulling you out and, and breaking you, he's pulling you out so he can draw you in. He's saying, yes, there's going to be really bad things because there are consequences to walking in an open rebellion. There's consequences for you not walking in, 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 the, in the ways and the laws of Moses and the ways and the laws of Levitical uh, priesthood. There's so many consequences to your sin, but it's, over. Oh, Okay, because I'm sending a Messiah, I'm sending you a son, I'm sending you a a, a baby who is going to conquer hell and the grave, I'm sending you a Savior because you need a Savior, and I'm a God of promises, and I will promise and deliver everything I've ever told you, but it doesn't mean there's not going to be hard times coming. And there's this this ebb and flow, there's this rhythm of brokenness promises brokenness, and then God comes and loves us and shows us grace. There's more brokenness. You see creation. You see fall. You see exile. You see covenants. You see Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and then leading up into Christ, this whole beautiful story of redemption laid down at the feet of Isaiah when he says, for to us a child is born. A child is just not born for the sake of God proving he can He can prophesy into Messiah. A child is born because the city, the, the country, the world needs a Savior. And Isaiah is promising that. He's saying, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And I love what he says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. What he's saying is, the earthly and heavenly rule will be through our Messiah. He will have an eternal reign. Government is used twice in these two verses because he understands that's the rule and authority of that day. He then gives our Messiah a name, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. There's so much there. He's saying a wonderful counselor. He's a supernatural being. He has the power to walk on water. He has the power. Water into wine. He has the power to raise the dead. He has the power to conquer hell and the grave. He has the power to die and rise again. This everlasting Father that says He is your Abba Father, He will never leave you or forsake you. Then He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace because He conquered hell and the grave, and the yoke of sin is no more. And the reign that He rules, He is Earth the Eternal Reign of Jesus Christ, where we sit. At his feet and worship him, there will be no end. And there's this beautiful understanding that what he is, the people that he is prophesying, will never actually see this firsthand. He's promising them a peace that passes understanding that they won't understand firsthand, but that the, the, the generations after them will totally take in and, and embrace. And we are those generations. We're the generations that Isaiah is speaking to to say, we have a beautiful time in history as Trinity Churchill Cliff that we can look back through Isaiah, we can look back through the Old Testament, back through the New Testament and say, look at all the things that God has said he would do and answer. And it leads us to no other option but to have faith in what he will ultimately do for us, I love that back early on in Isaiah, in chapter seven, he says the virgin will conceive. Like he he he's, he's calling his shot, and with with beautiful specificity of saying there will be a son, and he will come from a virgin, which we know to be Mary, and his name shall be Emmanuel, that he will be God with us. <clears throat> it always throws me off, but it's Sunday school's over. <laughs> I love that; it takes me back. I was I was born and raised in the church that work and operated off bell systems and every time I hear that I think this church this church has been a beautiful blessing for us and this church has been a beautiful uh, mentorship of showing us the, the ways and the people that, that paved the way before us that so we have the opportunity to freely worship so I'm always thankful for that So there's a lot going on in Isaiah, and and there's a lot that we don't have time to to break down in the ways of prophecies. There's over 200 messianic prophecies in the Bible, and every prophecy that's ever been prophesied uh, has been fulfilled because we serve a God who promises and answers. We serve a God who who delivers. We serve a God that is faithful and just. So in all of that, and all the, the, the pressure of understanding, the pressure of saying, yes, I understand Isaiah, and I understand that the Messiah has come and the Messiah will come again, where does that leave me in 2019, Monday, December 2nd? Because it's easy for us to be the best versions of ourselves biblically in this room. It's easy for us to say, hey, I'm going to pass out a a circle or a check or a true or false and say, hey, did Messiah come? Check, yes, he did. He did. Does that change the way I live my life? Yeah, yeah, Pastor. I'm never never going to tell you anything different because it's Sunday morning and we all look great. Our kids look great. Um, for this one hour, um, we're just going to open up our Bibles and have this peaceful break. And I love that. And there's so much beauty in corporate worship. But I never want to leave you at, at 11 on a Sunday with no actual plan or, or hope for Monday morning when, when reality sets in. And I don't know for you, but on Mondays for, for my job, I'm by vocation, but Mondays for my job is an onslaught. Like you walk in the door and they try to break you. It's almost like some kind of weird fraternity that they're like, hope you enjoyed Saturday. Guess what we got? Check your inbox. Boom. Um, My my employment recently gave me a phone. So now I have two phones. They call me Two Phone Tim. Um, And it's horrible. It's like a leash. Um, but it just like, it just reminds you of all these things that are coming on Monday. So I, I'm, I'm rambling at this point, but I want to leave you with two, uh, two emphasis of how we're going to live our life in the wake of the promised Messiah in the wake of the truth that Isaiah preaches. How do we live our life? And one is how do we step into that space? How do we own that truth? How do we live out that truth? How do we biblically say yes? What Isaiah said happened, and it changes everything. That Messiah came to this earth. I believe that. That's not just a story. That's not a fable. That's not just something cool in in the Bible. But no, my Savior walked the earth. My my Savior was a hundred percent human. My Savior knows what it is to hurt. My my Savior knows what it is to die, and my Savior knows what it is to reign. How do we actually operate inside that truth? And one of it is we have to step into the space. Of Christmas and, and own it. We have to say, we know the true meaning of Christmas, and I'm going to step in and say, yes, this is actually what Christmas is about. And one of the most important things for you to understand is space is just another term for opportunity. That that, that the Spirit may make an opportunity tomorrow, next week, sometime down uh, the line, where the Spirit's going to open up an opportunity for you to speak up, to step up, and live in biblical truth. And you have to actually take it. And to step is to move. You actually have to do something. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge, or knowledge for the sake of academia when it comes to your beliefs, is exactly where Satan wants you. Satan wants you full of information about your Savior, but not telling anyone. He wants you to just be happy and content and full and let everyone else worry about themselves. But that's the opposite of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ says the rocks will cry out if you don't. And our job is to make sure the rocks never have to cry out. The fact that when you're at work or you're with your family and they're they're wondering about Christmas or they're wondering um, about what what's the hustle and bustle is, that you step into that space and say, the reason that everyone kind of feels different around this time has nothing to do with Hallmark. It has nothing, it has a little to do with Hallmark. I love Hallmark. <laughs> I actually love Hallmark. People think I'm joking when I say that. But it sets this mood of of peace and, and beauty and cleanliness, and that's not real life, but it's still something that we get to kind of cling to in December. But the, the truth is, the reason that people um, are, are, are yearning to be better and to be different and to be a, a, a beautiful version of themselves in Christmas is because there's this longing inside of them for a Savior. There's a longing inside of them to be part uh, of the, the sons and daughters of God, for them to actually understand and believe and to dive into the gospel of Christ and call him king. And we have to step into that space and say, hey, I know the thing you're yearning for. I know the thing that you think will make you happy. It's not what you're going towards. It's not worldly. It's not earthly. It's spiritual. It's, it's eternal. I know why, why you yearn to be different. I know why you don't feel right around Christmas, and it may not even be Christmas. I know why you don't feel right in February 2020. It's because you are not calling the Messiah king. And, and, and it's hard for us. And we talk about step into space, step into space, step into space. And, and that's easy for us to say as, as your pastors and as your teachers because I, we're not in your circle. I don't, I don't know where God has specifically called you to on Monday, but I know that he has called you to be true to his word. We talk about uh, a, a, a space as just an opportunity or a conversation. It's why we push the t-shirts and the sweatshirts so much other than the fact that we have a lot of them and we need to get rid of them. Um... The fact that it's just an opportunity for you to step into space. Uh, It it warmed my heart uh, this morning. I came into a local coffee shop, and that's where I do a lot of my studies on Sunday morning. And there were were TCOC members doing a Bible study with their kids wearing TCOC shirts. And guess what? This may surprise you by the size of this church or the the size of this room. We're not trying to build a mega church here. We're trying to actually build a community of faith that changes Oak Cliff. And how that happens is you're at Oak Cliff xyz coffee shop and they say hey what's up with that shirt and you say oh it's where i believe it's where i go it's where i congregate it's my people it's my biblical community it's what holds me sound in christmas it's what it's the reason and, and then fill in the blank and that's a lot to put on someone that's asked about your shirt so maybe just start with my name's david um but at some point get to like you know death and the cross and the resurrection um but that's what we talk about when we say there, there will be so many opportunities this christmas season for you to step in and say hey the reason that I'm not going XYZ on Saturday uh, the, the, the 6th is because we're, we're going to do a worship night here. We're going to orient our hearts to the, the true meaning of Christmas. We're going to take back um, from the world what they think is theirs, and we're actually going to reorient it back to the, the cause of Christ and understand that we are here simply to worship our Messiah God. And this is the time of the year where our, our city, our society, kind of understands that. And it's time for us to step into that space and own it, but um, we have to own it with biblical truth. The second, the second place, and how I want to leave us today is: how do we wait well? We we find our spot uh, in history in, in a time of eager anticipation, a time where. It's 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 already, but not yet. There's this there's this tension between you know the beauty that, that lays ahead of you. You know the promises that God has promised you, and it's so different to the world you live in right now. It's so easy to become disheartened. It's so easy to be impatient or to be part of the world uh, and, and, and living in the ways of the world because there's this this there's, there's a greedy tension between the way that you know it could be when Christ returns and the way it is. Right now. And we have to live out that biblical truth by waiting well in truth. We have to understand what already not yet means. It means that the promise is that we we look back to Christ's redemptive work with with joy, but we look forward to Christ's eternal work with hope. That we 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 commission those two joy and hope uh, words, and they actually mean something in our faith. And joy is not happy. We're not here to be happy. We're here to be joyous. And there's a huge biblical difference and that's part of waiting well and understanding that you were called to be joyous. You were in no way called to be happy. I want you to be happy. But happy is a short line at Chipotle. Happy is your favorite show on Netflix that has like nine seasons and they're all great. That's happy, right? But then the line gets long at Chipotle and you're no longer happy. Or you get to the last episode of that season and it's over. Happiness can be taken from you. Joy is eternal. Joy will never leave you. Joy is knowing that my Savior lives, that my Savior was born to save me. Jesus Christ was born in a manger. He was born to die for the sins of the world, and he did it. That's joy. We wait well in a joyous heart. Most of Paul's writing says, be joyous no matter what, which can make you mad if you think joy means happiness. We have walked through some tragedy in this church. We have walked through things that would break any other church, but outside the fact that we are joyous people in Christ, we know that we don't necessarily have to be happy in this moment, but we can be joyous in this moment because we serve a God that comes through. We serve a God that fulfills his promises. That is how we wait well. We wait well. Thank you. I I ran out of breath. (laughs) Amen. Give me time to breathe. But here's something I want to leave you with. It's something I want to leave this room with. You wait well with joy. You have to, that joy is contagious. That joy is transcendent. That joy sticks out in a room. But the most dangerous place you can find yourself as a Christian in 2019 is thinking you your home when you're actually in exile. The, the, the most dangerous position you can find yourself in as, as a believer, as a son and daughter, is to think that you've arrived in a place that you were never meant to thrive. This is this is not our home. We are simply we are simply just sons and daughters of God, yearning for Dad to come home. We are in exile. We are in tents, and that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy uh, some of, some of the things of this world. A lot of the beauty of this world was designed by God his believers, before uh, his, his creation to enjoy but the second you feel like you're at home instead of just eagerly waiting for your Abba Father to return is when Satan gets you in a position that it is really hard to come back from. The second, that, that you think that the things that you yearn for can be fulfilled by earthly measures instead of eternal promises. That's when you get in a position of licentiousness. That's when you get in a place of hurt and brokenness. Because here's the secret that you have to understand. You were meant for eternal things the temporal things will never fulfill you you can do anything and everything you can buy the nicest car the nicest jeans you can buy anything and everything you think your heart desires and it will leave you wanting a hundred percent of the time because you weren't made for temporal things you weren't made for the now you were made for eternity you were made for eternal things now we know how this story ends i know sometimes that makes it hard Paul writes in, in Romans, he does it beautifully. He talks about just eagerly anticipating this longing, this waiting, this, this expectation and the pains of childbirth. That is what it's like to sit and wait for our Savior. And he talks about the creation that we, we live alongside is eagerly anticipating and yearning to. And it's time for us to sit there. And it's hard to sit. We have no chill as a society. We have zero chill. We started celebrating till Christmas in August. That's not a joke. That's like literally Hallmark started amping stuff up. We have no patience. We have no chill. We have no ability to wait. And that's why it's upon us since we know the truth to sit there with beautiful joy, understanding that everything this world throws at you, everything that Instagram says you be to buy, everything that Instagram says life should be like is just lies, smokes and mirrors. They're just a shadow of things that actually will come. That Christ will come, he will reign and it will fulfill every hole you've ever had and you will sit there with beautiful contentment, worshiping the one true God. I'm going to close this out because I can hear our kids going crazy. But I pray two things for this room. I pray two things for this church this week, that we step into the space that the Spirit orients us for and that we wait well in that space, that we, we show the, the, the people that God's put in our life what the true meaning of Christmas is. And guess what? The true meaning of Christmas is the true meaning of life. You see so many industries, so many people yearning for that that understanding, that connection, that next new thing that's going to fulfill the hole that's in their heart. But the only thing that's going to fulfill the broken people we live life with is Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. And my, my prayer and my, my desire for you is you to walk into that space professing the truth of jesus christ let me pray over us and we'll we'll end with a song of worship god thank you for today thank you for the truth that is your prophecies the truth that is your histories god i'm thankful and honored to stand here before your, your sons and daughters that we may step into the opportunities you give us with biblical truth and we may live out that truth by waiting well in eager anticipation for the coming of our king god i pray all things in your name amen